great future. We're talking real money. I made the mistake yesterday of wandering downstairs in my house. I'm always happier when I stay upstairs where my studio is. If I just stay upstairs, life is generally good till I talk to Tom and he shares some terrible story with me that makes my life miserable again. But generally speaking, if I just keep to myself and don't go downstairs, I'm in good shape. And yesterday I went downstairs and what does my wife have on, on the television? I don't even like television. I mean, I like watching things, but not real television. What does she, what does she think she's watching on the television? She is watching the news, the news. Yeah. But let's get more specific. Which news channels is she watching? She's flipping between the two of them. I'm guessing one starts with a C and one starts with an F. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Not to give them any free advertising. Yeah. CNBC. I figured that one. And Fox Business. Yeah. And as I'm hovering in the background, I'm listening to this never ending chain of experts all claiming that they know things that can't possibly be known. And I'm thinking to myself, why do we do this to ourselves? Why? Oh, why? And and I thought about it for a minute. I went, I don't watch this, but in the 15 or 20 minutes I was watching, they had like six, seven different experts doing their little blurbs on what the market was doing and why it was doing and what, what you should buy and what you shouldn't buy. And, and I'm thinking to myself, multiply this times eight or 10 or 12 hours a day. They are really having to dredge up a lot of crackpot experts to tell you what the future is going to bring. Oh, it's frustrating. Hi, everybody. I'm Don. There's Tom. Oh, Tom's back. Tom is back, although reluctantly. (laughs) I think we can safely use the expression tan, rested, and ready. Yeah, but you'd rather be tanning and I, resting I more, had, wouldn't you? I, I had a, like a like a forty second <laughs> blackout that was so beautiful that kind of made me think ah, maybe I should just do a little more of that. But yeah, he's, he's actually yeah. now starting to see why people retire. <laughs> I did. Oh, the forty that's seconds were why. really good. Yeah, it was really had my yeah. book. But again, multiply sun. that forty seconds by all the minutes in a day. Yeah. And imagine how boring it would be I if that was think, all you were doing. Yeah. The, the other side was I was uh, the next day reading a piece in the Wall Street Journal about all the 80-somethings still at work and loving it. So well, there, there you, you go. go. Yeah. Uh, my point, though, is experts, why do we pay attention to them? Why? When they're all so wrong and they're so wrong so consistently, why do we give them a pass? Uh, let me give you an example. There's this crazy woman called Susie. She's very popular for some reason because she hands out the most simple, goofy platitudes about money I think I've ever heard. Her latest is, now I'm sure you've heard this before, The 4% rule doesn't work anymore. Didn't we just establish a couple of weeks ago that the 4% rule does work again? 
it goes down, it goes, well, it rarely goes up. It goes down a lot. Kind of seems like when markets go down. Yeah, but Susie's doing it right now when the market's been going up. She's saying that it's a very dangerous rule. And then we got this Grant Cardone guy. Oh, this guy. This guy's a piece of work. And if, are you embarrassed you, for yourself and your family? Apparently, I need to be embarrassed for myself and my family <laughs> because I'm not man enough. I'm not man enough to support my family in the style they should be accustomed. I am not man enough to make more than $400,000 a year. He would be embarrassed, he said, for himself and his family if he only made $400,000 a year. What kind of pompous ass is he? He takes pompous assery to a whole new level. He's a popular pompous ass. I mean, apparently he's got followers. He's telling people a that lot. they should own. I think he said, don't, don't save. Didn't he say something like oh, that? Yeah. Don't, don't, don't say a saving is a, is a terrible idea. Yeah. Saving and investing. You'll never get rich bad. by working or saving. Yeah. It, it's all about <laughs> speculating. I think he said something about REITs. In there, real estate. Yeah, investment but don't trust. buy. But individual real estate doesn't work, and and that we will agree with. But this other stuff, and here's the question to you, Tom, and to all of our lovely listeners out there: Why, oh why, oh why, do we continue to listen to these experts? That. I mean, they and call the themselves use, that. You use that word, I did not. I don't find them expert. They're expert marketers. I wouldn't call them expert investors. I wouldn't call them experts financially. Susie has given very good basic advice for a really, long time. Really, 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 really. I mean, basic, like yeah. invest some money. Yeah. Like, well, you get to the investing and that brings me to the why, because that's what you're looking for here is why are we listening to them and why do they get so much attention? They get a lot of attention because the things they say are attention gathering, right? They're extreme. Don't save. Oh, well, everybody says I have to save. So if this guy says, I know I got to listen to that. Uh, the three, the 4%, the 5% rule doesn't work. I got to listen to that. That's pretty extreme. Why is somebody telling me this? But Susie is okay. Just to finish the thought with her. Yes. Getting out of debt. Good advice. General good financial advice. The problem she always runs into is when she talks specifics and when she talks specifics about investing. She has a horrible track record of suggesting things like oil and gas and sector rotation and all kinds of really bad ideas that people, I hope, did not fall. She went, at one time had a uh, investment newsletter writer that, uh, that she was in business with who turned out to be a complete fraud. He'd made up all his returns. Now, maybe that's her fault. Maybe it isn't. But the point is, she does seem to move around there. And one of the compliments we get, just talked to somebody a couple of days ago who said, I love the fact that you guys have said the same thing for 25 years, whatever it's been for Don, 45 years, I guess. But uh, it's a long time to have a consistent message. Her message when it comes to investing has not been. I will tell you, contrast that with somebody I think you should have listened to, you can no longer listen to because he passed away last week. And that is 
Harry Markowitz. Wait, Harry died last week? Harry died last week at the age of 95. Well, I did not know that. Oh, Harry, we'll miss you, dude. We will not for we anything won't. you said recently. That's what I'm getting to. He won a Nobel Prize as the sort of kind of the father of modern portfolio theory uh, back in 1990, which I think is like 33 years ago, right? Uh, around the work that asset allocation, and this is an important thing that most people don't pay attention to because most people believe investing is picking the right stocks, picking the right time, or picking the right sector. And Harry came up with the idea that, well, the right sector, maybe that asset allocation really at the end of the day is to decide your returns, not picking the right stock there. You've got to own entire asset classes and sort of this concept of asset allocation, stocks, bonds, and securities, and the expected long-term risk and return. Most people in investing, when they had sort of talked about investing for a long time, didn't look at the risk side and hadn't thought that through. So he did some wonderful work. And I know in today's world, it's ho-hum, right? It's intuitive. It's boring. Diversification. Who cares? But those things that we all take for granted today with index funds, with frankly, building the correct asset allocation, that has turned out, certainly since 1990, for those of you paying attention, to be the key uh, all a pardons to Mr. Cardone to being uh, successful financially because it has been about the saving. It has been about proper asset allocation balance and not messing around with the money moving as Susie Orman has told you to do from one thing to another when that thing has been hot. So God bless Harry Markowitz and uh, best wishes to his family as they recover from the loss of really a truly great American that yes, you can go back and still read some of his stuff. But the thing to take away from his life is he did the work and then he kind of shut up and let the work take its own. He didn't have to have a new headline every week about something new that was out there that you need to pay attention to. So we need more people like that. You notice that Fox Business and CNBC never had him. They didn't have him on all the time, like no. every day. Oh, and once again, ladies and gentlemen, here's Harry Markowitz, Nobel Prize winner, to tell you to do the same thing he told you yesterday. Nothing. Yeah. Yeah, and the same thing he told you to do the day before that. And the same thing he told you to do the day before that. So what you're in essence saying is that we are destined to toil in relative obscurity for the boring nature of our message. You know, and we were talking about that. You mentioned that I was out of town for a couple of days because my daughter was saying people know Don more than Tom. And I said, I'm okay with that. It really doesn't matter because the message is being delivered. It's okay. I think People know me more than they know you? Absolutely. So uh, the well, point okay, is- okay. I did the national show thing know, for a long time. I, so, I, I, but that was a I, long that. time ago. Yeah, but you know that anyway. There's still people that call us up and say they used to listen to that show. Yeah. And there's still people listening to this podcast that used to listen to that show. I'm okay with all that. And I'm okay if we're forgotten, but I do want to know that the lessons that we tried to bring to people from really smart people- have helped and continue to help. That's where I'm at. I, on the other hand, am now totally depressed and destroyed because I've disappointed my family by never making it You're to $400,000 a year an in income. You're so not only will I toil in obscurity, I will toil in obscurity as a pariah in my own household. 
but I've got an idea for you that might change oh, that. good. This I knew you be, would. This is going to be good. What is it? Well, it comes from Michael, who also is a resident of Florida. Is that that's not, is that the Sunshine State? Yeah, right? Okay. Uh, it's hard to remember these days. Uh, I, anyway. I, am, I am very careful now about any Boy, comments that I leave make that. about yeah. Florida. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot to comment on. I don't want to get on, into trouble with yeah. my, my friends. Is it? True, and I. Right. This is from a headline that Go they ahead. call your governor. Don't even, don't even take me to the governor thing. Okay, All no, right. no, no. I, I saw the headline. I thought it was cute. No, All no, right, no. Uh, this comes from Michael. It's not the sunshine. It had something to do with N- nope. Cinder, any Cinderfella or something. Anyway, ah, uh, hello, Tom and Don. Been listening to your podcast for quite some time now, mostly during my daily walks. That's great to hear. I love your advice on investing in a well-diversified portfolio. Michael writes, as a financially conservative boomer, I'm an unfamiliar ground being involved in a relatively new asset. I knew there was a butt in here. And I the love asset your starts, advice, but the asset starts with a B too. It's Bitcoin. Oh. I've been doing a lot of research on Bitcoin, and although I'm not ready to bet the proverbial farm on it, I do find it very interesting in the long run, especially now that Fidelity and BlackRock have moved to support it. I'm waiting. No, I was I waiting was, for your I was, comment. I was holding it, but I'll let it out if you want. Well, I, I the first, just how about they Fidelity and Black? They are not supporting okay. it. Okay, I was wondering if you were going to say something They just want to get on the bandwagon. Are you kidding? They want to make money. If there's money to be made, they don't want to leave it on the table. So they're going to jump on the bandwagon if they can to try to suck up a little of the profits that you leave laying around, kind of like the assayer in the old gold rush town who didn't go out and mine gold. He didn't necessarily support your mine, but boy, when it, when it a little bit just fell off when he was measuring it, that, and then, you know, he'd scoop it up off the floorboards and take that to the bank himself the next day. He'll, or, yeah, or, yes, the, or. The, the guy selling the picks and the shovels yeah. made the money and they didn't. Okay. But Michael continues. He says, my question is centered around math. Bitcoin is currently mined at 6.25 Bitcoins every 10 minutes or about 900 a day. Okay. So let's see. Every 10 minutes, that's six an hour, six times 24. Yeah, yeah he already that did That does them. sound, yeah. okay. To, mm-hmm. to support the recent price of $28,000 per Bitcoin, approximately $25 million is flowing to Bitcoin from other assets every day. In approximately 10 months, the number of Bitcoin mined per day will be cut in half to 450 Bitcoins per day. Is that true? That is true. What is that? Bitcoin is a finite asset. So as time goes by, there will be fewer and fewer Bitcoins available to the Bitcoin miners. And I'll get to the downside of that in a minute. There's other downsides to that when you think about it for half a second. But let's play his little math game, shall we? If the amount of money flowing to Bitcoin just remains the same, the $25 million, the, the same, will the price of Bitcoin be increased proportionately? If, as Tom occasionally talks about, FOMO kicks in, would it be logical to expect Bitcoin to increase to a new all-time high? Looking for flaws in my logic. Don. Okay, well, there are so many. They are legion. Uh, one. You cannot make the assumption that the same amount of money will flow into Bitcoin that is flowing into it today. I tend to believe that people will get smarter when they find out it's a scam. 
I'm actually going to go so far as to say it's a scam because as I mentioned to a waiter at a restaurant I went to on my birthday, who was talking about crypto. I said, uh, what's it good for? Oh, great currency. Wonderful. It's an alternative to the, I said, what's it good for? What can you use it for? I said, can I buy tonight's dinner at this very nice restaurant with Bitcoin? Well, no, but I know you can buy some stuff. I said, name it. What stuff can I buy with Bitcoin? I can't go most places and spend Bitcoin. I I can go anywhere and spend a dollar. You could go buy the entire country of El Salvador with Bitcoin. Yeah, which is worth about two Bitcoin now. Um, The other issue, and there's so many, they're just legion. Um, What makes you think that FOMO didn't already happen? What makes you think it's going to happen again? What if it happened just before Bitcoin got into the 60 plus thousand dollar range which it has not returned to in, uh, well, when did it hit its high? Was, was that, that uh, two years ago? I'm two thinking it was years two ago? years ago. Let's see, 60, 2021. Yes, it, okay. was, uh, it was two years ago. Mm, it has not gotten anywhere near its high of, oh, all-time high of almost $69,000. It has not gotten anywhere near that. And yet I keep seeing these outrageous predictions Give us one, please. I'm going to get, there's one from a, a, a thing called Changely that is written by a woman who has really no, no history, no past. No, 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 no. She's she been around exist. for four years. She's been around well, for four years. Okay. Well, here's this. her bio. Oh. She became interested in cryptocurrency when she first oh. heard about it in 2014. Ever since then, she's been heavily involved. Ooh. Well, there you go. That is certainly a CV for you. So anyway, her prediction, and and she's basing this on uh, technical analysis. Feeling technical, no technical analysis, sir. Oh, pardon me. She says that by the end of 2023, that would be six months from now. Its lowest price will be thirty eight thousand dollars. So if it's at thirty today, roughly speaking, you need another. 8,000 on 30. That's pretty good. Wow. You did that math really fast. 38 (laughs) minus 30. I was trying to come up with a percentage. So it's almost 30%, right? Ah, But but here's the best part. Now, remember two years ago, two years ago, it was $69,000. Well, she's saying two years from now, it's going to be as high as $95,000. Sign me up. And five years from now, $300,000. Now, if they aren't, if people already aren't already jumping on that certain bandwagon, then what makes you think they're going to jump in the future? And here's the other thing about crypto guys. What is it ever going to be good for? Really? Do you, do you want an asset, a currency? I shouldn't say an asset. Do you want a currency that from one minute to the next can be worth hundreds of dollars less? Do you want a currency that's more like the Argentine peso than the U.S. dollar or the European euro or the British pound even? Do you want a third world currency? That's what crypto is. 
worse than a third world currency. It's more volatile than the stock market. So, no, your math does not hold water. Thank you. And if you call yourself financially conservative and are considering investing in Bitcoin, <laughs> it doesn't get any more. I think you should go see a doctor of another sort because that's really a, the unusual. It doesn't get more aggressive than no, that. That's kind of although wacky. ten years from now, if I'm wrong, you guys are going to really dislike me because this chick Daria says that it's going to be worth 1.3 million per Bitcoin in 10 years. Yeah. And think how many of those wonderful blockchain pictures you can buy with that NFTs, much. NFTs, NFTs. You notice nobody's buying those anymore. I'm kind of wondering what happened to that market. Anyway. Uh, all right. This one's a little more in main line. Scott from Farmington Hills, Michigan writes, AVGE's average 10-day volume is about 20,000. AVGE is Avantis's global stock uh, equity, pardon me, slash yeah, equity, all equity fund. fund. Yeah, all mm -hmm. equity, 100%. I know it's a new fund. What's the advantage of owning an ETF that trades in low volumes? How does this affect growth in price? Seems like active ETFs are becoming more talked about. Some say passive is better than Passive, he says, but I think he says passive, meant to be but, passive, yeah, better, passive than better than active. What are your yeah. thoughts? Okay, first of all, on the trading volume being 20,000. I've never really looked at Who the cares? volume of AVG yet because it doesn't concern me. The only thing that trading volume will impact is your spread. Uh, you're going to have a slightly higher spread between bid and ask price on a lower trading volume than you will on a higher trading volume. That's all. But if you're a long-term investor, that's not going to be a consideration because the spread is still generally pretty small. Generally. I think sometimes we talked it can to somebody. Get out of, we did talk about that and it got out of line a few times. And Well, no, and we talked to somebody who is, and I don't remember who it was in a rare interview, that's, that trades, uh, I think it was somebody from dimensional funds, does a lot of work in exchange traded funds and said, yeah, that can be an issue. That's why you buy. I think it was early in, like when trading begins in the morning, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. You don't you don't mess around. This is one of the problems with ETFs. Yes, there is uh, the difference between the bid and the asset. Can but be as long term investments, that should no longer matter. be a concern. I agree. I agree. Uh, the advantage that uh, the uh, doesn't really matter, and then the, this passive versus active. I oh, mean, this is so semantical again, because we, we have to right? get back to the definitions of these things. Yeah. Because Avantis continue, uh, considers their ETFs actively managed because for them, passive has a negative connotation. It means they, to them, it means they're not doing anything when they are doing things. But what they're doing is not what Tom and I equate with active management. To us, active management is actively picking and choosing segments of the market timing the market, moving in and out of securities based not on rules, but based on feeling Intuition. Yeah, Intuition feelings, and feelings. Smart people. And by the way, there's never been more smart people than today working on Wall Street, ever. Not even close. The number of the, Which we, reduces your chances. Exactly. And, and the other <laughs> thing what? about passive, passive is supposed to be a means by which you outperform. Active needs to be a means by which you outperform passive or indexing. And the reality is that just doesn't happen very often, except historically in some very strict rules-based strategies. I think that's well put. So the answer is... 
and again, I want to make sure I'm clear on it the depends. use of AVGE in general, yeah. because this came up recently. It's like, well, then why should I put everything in AVGE? Don't have all these funds, et cetera, et cetera. AVGE, while it still does have the tilts to small and to value, will not do as good a job of balancing those out between big and small, all those things. It's a very fine fund, no question, but it should be used, I think, in moderation. This is a perfect thing for a smaller Roth IRA or smaller of any kind of account. When your account gets a little larger, it is worth looking at for a lot of other reasons to tax management and other things, having more funds in there rather than just putting it all in AVG. Nothing wrong with AVG. Right. All. And, and we've said that over and over again, that, you know, you can have the very basic portfolio when you're a beginning investor, as your portfolio becomes more complicated or your life becomes more complicated. True from various perspectives, that's when you want to start getting into more complex portfolio creation and management thereof. Yep. Which so. is something that you should be considering, especially age 50. And I will mention, by the way, had a lot of great conversations while I was in California too. Enjoyed them all. And uh, we're continuing to do that right on through the summer, even though Don's taking like nine weeks off to go to Europe. And by the way, you can get there quickly. Two and a half. Oh, two and a half. Two and a half two months, and a half. two and a half months, weeks, two and a weeks. Half weeks. Okay. Two and a half weeks. You deserve it. Um, so love to chat with you all. So feel free to take advantage of that. I should have mentioned this earlier because they brought it up when I was in California. We have advisors in both Northern and Southern California. So if you want to meet with somebody there, talk to somebody there, let us know. We have advisors in Northern and Southern California. We do. Portland, Oregon. Yep. And all over Washington state. Yep. And elsewhere around the you country. don't even know the rest of the places we have advisors i don't no i don't I know. we got one in georgia yeah we got uh, one in tennessee in tennessee knoxville yep. knoxville and in the northeast they got them all over they're the all place. over the northeast i don't know the berwin pennsylvania berwin pennsylvania yep glastonbury connecticut see those are all suburban like glastonbury suburban hartford uh, and berwin is like suburban philly it's yeah, like yeah it's kind of out of town just, yeah Anyway, just call them by their we're all over the metro. place. We're gl- and we're glad. And Don is the guy who usually gets to say this. So I'm going to say it this time. Yes, we meet with people. Yes, we chat about your situation. Yes, we do it for free. Do some people become clients? Yeah, because they look at their situation and go, I need help. Do, do others not become clients? Yes. Yeah. All the time. We tell you. More don't X, y, become clients. That's true. So take advantage of the offer. It's not a sales pitch. You're going to get some great guidance out of it. I'm talking to somebody tomorrow and they're being gun shy about the fact that we've already talked more than an hour. You know, if I like the conversation <laughs> and I enjoy it, I'll talk to you longer uh, than an hour. So that's the way it goes. Yeah, that's so. why we say about, about. Yeah, I think that's fair. It takes you below, above. It works and how do, out. They, how do they get that free offer? I oh, forgetting. I thought you were just going with the whole thing. Well, you go to talkingrealmoney.com and then there's a button right there below the picture of the trading floor, which is not real money, uh, that says meet an advisor. Ah, okay. Meet and then guess what you advisor. do? You fill out a form to meet an advisor. Takes which about includes Tom. 40 seconds. So do it. Well, you may have to look at a calendar. It could take a minute and a half. Okay. All righty. Thank you all for being there. We appreciate you. Remember to send your questions in to us too at talkingrealmoney.com on the contact form. You can also call us 24-7 at 855-935-TALK. Also, you can call us live every Saturday from 3 p.m. to 5 p.m. Eastern, noon to 2 Pacific at 855-935-TALK because, well, 
almost every day. We thoroughly enjoy hanging out with you and talking real money. We hope you realize that the information provided on Talking Real Money is for informational, educational, and hopefully enjoyable purposes only. Providing personalized financial planning or investing advice takes time. So please consult with a really good fee-only fiduciary investment, tax, or legal advisor. We know a good one. Investing must always involve risk. In other words, you can and probably will lose money at times. Also, as much as you want it, no one can accurately and consistently predict the future. So past performance doesn't tell you a darn thing about what the future will bring. Unlike many other programs that say something similar, Talking Real Money is not trying to get you to buy or sell any financial products or securities. Instead, the program is provided as a public service by Appella Capital, a fee-only registered investment advisor. Thanks for listening and please visit TalkingRealMoney.com for more information and disclosures. As you keep the lawyers happy.